This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven. Robbery homicides take you. Give me all you got! Listen. Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Wayne Coward, and joining me today is, and I'm going to have to read an email. This is one of the one of the massive uh, highlights of this project. Has been talking to a whole stack of different people. We've had you know, Pascal Buber, the editor of the show. We've had Academy Award nominee filmmaker Luke Doolan, who's an editor and filmmaker. We've talked to film critics. We've talked to scholars. But there's one thing about a movie about cops and crooks that you gush about its authenticity and you talk about how much it rings true and how much research went into it that feels really disingenuous if you don't actually speak to a police officer <laughs> because we're all sitting over here in our as in our geek vacuum and thinking that everything is really true to life but I, I really wonder whether it actually is and then you know if it does stand up then fantastic there hasn't been any criminals on the show yet um, I'm saying yet, I'm leaving it open just in case there are any high class jewel thieves who are subscribers, please um, get in touch, mail at oneheatminute.com. But today I've got a friend of mine, um, a dear friend, and I'm not actually even sure if I can say his last name being on the podcast, but we're going to call him Stephen, may or may not be a fake name. And uh, he's an investigator of organized crime in Australia. But I can't tell you which law enforcement agency he works for. He's going to reflect on some personal experiences about his, you know, his life um, investigating crime. And we're going to talk about the 70th minute of heat. And I brought him on here specifically because this is the, he called it, this is a sting. Steve, welcome to One Eight Minute. Ah, oh, hi. Glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So, um, this is a weird experience for you, a first time? It's definitely a first time experience and I have to jump a few hurdles to be on the show. <laughs> Obviously, anything expressed by me is my own personal opinion today, but um, I'm definitely glad to be here and I'm looking forward to uh, how it's going to go down. Well, so what was awesome is that we were lining up the minute, um, you know, Steve checked out the movie again, we've been talking about it going back and forth. And I brought him into a minute and I'm like, oh, this is like a stakeout. And he's like, no, it's a sting. So even, even then, even the vernacular, even the, even the, the vocab, I'm excited about what we're going to look at. So we're going to check out this minute. We're going to come back and talk about it. We're just going to talk a bit about the, I guess, the tradecraft and if it still rings true. I mean, this is a 1995 movie, right? So we're like 23 years ago in crime investigation technique. So it's probably going to be a bit strange and it's in a totally other country. And um, so, but... I just want to see if it still feels right, and I'm really curious to hear what Steve has to say. But then also, we can just gush about the movie, as we do. Um, so we're going to watch this minute together, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. What's happening? Lieutenant, sir. Captain Jackson wants to know what's going on. Nothing's going on. Stay off the air.
There's your minute. Wow, that went really quickly. <laughs> I was getting back to the movie. I'm like, this is mad. I hadn't watched a movie so, for so long, so it was a good opportunity. Well, let's talk about it. it. You hadn't seen it in a million years, and I asked you to do this wacky project, and you're like, okay, yeah. it sounds all right. <laughs> it sounds interesting. I wish I had a chance to watch more movies, so it was a good opportunity to be like, no, no, I've got to, I've got to sit down and watch it. And it's a nice, long, good movie, awesome stars, like unbelievable stars. So, yeah. So it bedazzled me. <laughs> it's bedazzled. Yeah. So so we're we're right in the thick of a heist, um, and and so if if you guys are queuing it up as you might be, we're looking at the original theatrical cut Blu-ray. So you'd be looking at one hour nine minutes up to one hour ten. So that's the seventieth minute that we're taking a squeeze at right now. This is a little bit after finally Vincent Hanna and his team have had a break. Um, they had the the. Uh, the one in a million moniker of Slick, the word Slick being said, and it led them to uh, Michael Torito, so that's Tom uh, Sizemore's character. They've now surveilled them, and they're checking out this diamond exchange or something like that, I think is what, what they are checking out. And they're here. They're finally here. We've got a bunch of cops up high. We've got cops in what... They probably look... They look like what they're doing is shooting a movie because they're there behind some monitors and stuff. So... When you're watching this movie, does it still ring true, Steve? Does it still feel like it's authentic cops? Does it feel like they've they've done their due diligence as not even in just this minute, but in the whole movie? Um, does it ring yes, true? It, yes, yes, it does. It does. I mean, it's not often that you'll be crowded into a van, a big bulky van. There's not much room, <laughs> and a lot of people are present. But you may be somewhere else, whether it be in a building or yeah, very far away. I mean, the events we have in technology allow us to be. 20 or 30 kilometers away <laughs> and still do the same job and you know yeah. I mean? we can c- communicate with people in the field and stuff like that yeah instantaneously so but not maybe in 95 they had to be a bit closer to the wiring <laughs> those old school monitors and things like that it's actually quite possible i mean it, you work off the internet you work off telecommunications and you're gonna have a lot more it's gonna be a lot more glitchy and a lot slower <laughs> yeah the bandwidth is not gonna <laughs> quite be there but yeah yeah no, no, it definitely uh rings true and it's it's like that game of cat and mouse you know there's a whole, whole bunch of people on one side doing their job, sitting quietly in a box, wherever it might be, watching, just itching for something to happen to like, you know, <laughs> to snap the, the trap shut. And then there's a bunch of people on the other side of the spectrum that are doing their job and they're revved up and they're excited. Like, Fuck, we'll get this bus done. We'll make the money. It's awesome. Their heart race is going as well. So it's a similar feeling, but on either side of the coin. And is that like, I often wonder, so... I'm gonna. I'm as as we do. We're gonna go back through. So just for for real heat geeks who are who are listening and and maybe following along on this minute. This is a ripper of a minute because um, a little bit of trivia and I and I'm and I'm 99 percent sure it's true. Is that the cops? So if you if we're freeze framing it on the 69th. Um, oh sorry. Oh yeah. Like sorry. Halfway through, about 28 seconds into this minute, the cop who is the most itching, the uniform cop who's pacing, who's drinking water, who's you know that we've got some other people on surveillance again. I love how Steve said people's hearts racing like they're about to. They want to. They want to see this trap let loose. Is actually Charlie Adamson or Chuck Adamson, who is the guy um, that this entire story is based off of. He is a Chicago police officer who, in the 1970s, was hunting a real crook named Neil McCauley in Chicago, and he was a ho- uh, he was a thief, and he was very very good at his job. And then there was some point where he was. Um, in the middle of surveilling him and he did something completely unorthodox, he grabbed Neil McCauley off the street and asked him if he'd like to go for a cup of coffee. 
And so they went and Charlie Adamson, this guy, this guy who's itching, who ruins this entire stakeout eventually. <laughs> Sorry, spoilers for those of you who have jumped ahead in the minute. But this is the guy, um, and I, I think it's just like a beautiful little bit of poetry that he's the guy that is the sort of genesis of this entire story. And he's the guy who's most itching to do uh, for this trap to ensnare and he's the most impatient. But really, he sat with a real crook and had a similar, very civil conversation to what we see as the centerpiece of this whole movie. And, uh, and so this is a real, I love this minute and I love, um, I love this minute for a number of reasons. I love the score, we'll get to that. I love some of the performances. I love how relaxed, um, I love how relaxed Pacino's crew feels like he's in a circle, all those detectives, they feel pretty chill. Like, there before, they know what's going on. Yeah, they, 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 they're very good. They're like, if we have to wait here for five hours and nothing happens... Sometimes that happens, it sucks, but this is what we do. And you get the uniform guys, a little bit less experience, maybe less exposure. They're the ones who are amped up, they're nervous, they're antsy, they're pacing. But this guy did that most unorthodox thing and then eventually took down Neil McCauley, um, the real life Neil McCauley, and then uh, in this movie. So this guy, 28, 28 seconds into this minute, who's asking what's happening? Charlie Adamson. Um, so... Let's go back to let's go back a little bit. So we're just gonna we're gonna scale through this minute. So when you're watching, like, what are the things you know? You don't get to watch a stack of um, a stack of movies and stuff. But what are the things that really irk you about like portrayals of investigations and cops? Like now, is it just the CSI Asian of everything? Like every single thing, you know, someone's hair from. 12 years ago can be on the corner of a screen and then that unlocks an entire oh. murder mystery bullshit. Is that yeah, like, yeah, is that the extremely frustrating that, thing? That, that is probably, <laughs> yeah, but you don't get a lot of that in this No, movie, nothing, nothing in heat that but does yeah, that. that is really annoying because it, it just doesn't happen. No. Like you, there's got to be a, a very specific chain of continuing to a piece of evidence and if you miss one little bit in that, then it's out. It's, it's wiped because <laughs> you don't know where it was. You don't know who's touched it. You don't know the cross-contamination of DNA. Yeah. Which is transferable. You mean, I rub my hand onto your hand and then you rub a wall, my DNA is now on that wall, but I didn't put it there. Yeah. So DNA can be a bit fickle, as yeah. it were, you know what I mean? Yeah. CSI makes it like it's the end of the world and like it'll solve every crime that ever was. Yeah. But it's one of those things, you know. One of those things. But not in heat. No, not at all. Not at all in heat, which is good because it's a bit more real. Yeah. I think the only thing in heat is like, it's a romanticization of like sort of 100%. crooks and cops and you don't really see a lot of the human element or the people that pay the price, like those blokes that died in the first yeah. heist of the, um, the money wagon or <laughs> yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. You move on pretty quickly from that. Mm. But it's a nice, strong, impacting statement that sort of pulls you into the movie like, whoa, whoa, this, whoa. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. It's like, you feel like that guy with his ears that are blown out just staring, whoa. Yeah, you know? and, there's a, and there's a few of those moments where even in that heist, where after that big explosion just rips through all the windscreens at the back of those cars and then it just leaves you with a moment of silence. It's like... Hey, <laughs> give you time to think. Yeah, you're gonna breeze. Yeah, um, I do. You um, are guys who are this, who are this obsessed. Are guys who are this obsessed in the job, like Vincent Hanna? Like, do they exist? Like complete yep. obsessives? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it's it's a driving passion that like sort of takes everyone along for the ride, like that person in your team sort of doesn't carry the team, but he emotionally drives the team and sort of makes people sort of, you know, everyone lifts. Yes. So it's like, a, it's like a, one of your main players on a football team and, you know, when they're there and they're going and they're yeah. yelling at you, 
you go with them. Yes. It's like the, the, the Thurston or the Andrew Johns on your team. When they're there, everyone is a, a step a step ahead of where they were last week. Yeah, that's right. I I don't think I've seen it to the, the level of Vincent. No, Vincent. It is a movie, but yeah. you do see a bit of it where they're off the job, but they're still on the job. Or um, it's, it's just sort of like, it's more than a job, I suppose. It becomes a part of your life and your drive and it's... it's, it's personal yeah <laughs> it's yeah it's personal when you that's strange right it's a strange connection because these guys we talk about professionals and that's what michael mann as a filmmaker is obsessed with different professionals and that's why i think what's rings so true what's so cool about both these groups and many of the guests talk about it but it's always it always striking is these guys are both very good at what they do and they have a very they're very clinical and they're very obsessed with their own delivery of work but i think i don't think either of these guys think that it's a job no like, no there's passion no, for them that's uh, yeah, life <laughs> that's li- there's life like yeah there's no delineation there's no like oh okay i'm a family man and and i am also a cop you know even if you're like okay i'm a cop 16 hours a day and then eight hours a day i'm a family man there's no delineation between that so there's guys like that but it, you know this is this is this is what we're allowed if we like it and it's pretty and it's romanticized and we like it it doesn't have to always be authentic. We're no. okay. It's, it doesn't have to make all the sense. We're okay. We're okay with it. It's like the Joker's plan in the Dark Knight. It makes no sense, but it's really fun to watch. Really, Absolutely. it's really fun to watch. So you're just like, yep, I'll go with it. I suppose, um, yeah, the, what these guys do for for a crust, or it, it goes beyond everything, beyond women, beyond the money, behind, beyond the rewards. It's actually doing the job that is. The excitement part, not not the end goal. No. I suppose it's the journey. It's a bit of a cliche, but still. Yeah. What's crazy about this also, and so we're in Australia, and folks who are listening, I know we've got a lot of US listeners. This, to have, uh, if there was one crime in Australia that was even like, remotely like that opening heist, where multiple men who were tactically trained used assault rifles and explosives to blow up a, a van, that would be the biggest news story in Australian crime history. Like, it would be one of the biggest news stories in Australian crime history because, like, there have been, you know, mo- you know, there's been sort of uh, organised crime hits and, uh, and, and down in, you know, Melbourne and, and there's been some famous ones. There was some sort of famous organised crime things and in Sydney there's been equivalences and things like that. And I just can't imagine, like, I think that's one thing that rings true, probably really true for, say, you know, uh, the US is, if that happened, it would be the biggest story in the whole of the country, in our country. And maybe that's unfortunate thing about the sort of pervasive guns in the USA is that these things can happen and they do happen and gun violence can happen for in robberies and armed robberies and things like that. But it's much, much less in Australia. Yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> I mean, we have some definitely some horrible things that happen in this country and like a lot of people can sort of have died yeah during things like this but not to that sort of professional level like their skill the way they tactically plan their operations the intelligence that they provided with before like their briefing for the crook yeah that they're getting before a job <laughs> is unbelievable it's unparalleled like <laughs> yeah. here's a schematic this is what time they're coming this is going to be working this is what his personality is so beware of this do you know what i mean like yeah 
doesn't happen to that level. Yeah. It, it's a little bit unrealistic. Yeah. Like there's always this unknown and that's why you got guns. You know, <laughs> they're, motiva- they're motivating items. You point them around, you swing them around and people start doing what you're asking. Yeah. Or what you're telling them to do, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's not asking anymore. <laughs> if you've got a gun, it's yeah. immediately, I'm just instructing you. Even if it's gently. <laughs> it's gently. Right. But yeah, you're right. Because... Um, but it's also the stakes, you know, in the context of the story, that doesn't feel it's, it, you're right. It's like, that is so extreme. I hadn't really thought about how extreme that is, that you are so professional and you're operating on such a level that you actually want to be briefed on the cops that may be after you. They might be on your tail. Like that's, that's a serious next level stuff. It's nice. It's, it's, it, it makes sense in the context of the story, but I suppose that's a really good point to talk about. Um, do you like the makeup of his crew? Because one of the things I, Oh, in, in a previous minute, I you know, and I'll just do a snapshot here. Um, we're like four seconds into this minute. Um, you've got Wes Studi as Casta- uh, Casals. You've got Bosco as uh, Ted Levine. You've got Jerry Schwartz back there. Um, and you've got uh, Pacino as Vincent. There's a great scene where he's in the nightclub and he gets that, that lead of the, the person's name. And he starts barking stuff. And all the guys are just... They're in autopilot. He's like, I want this, I want that, I want this. And they all just know what to do. They're all making the phone calls. Does that ring true or is that like something that's completely unrealistic? No, that happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, it happens to a degree. It's always a little bit more in like a movie. But yeah. essentially, yeah, that's yeah, like how it goes down. Someone usually calls the shots and there's the people that go and fetch. And yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, because it's more efficient, I suppose. You guys have got a lead and then you go bang, 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 bang and you just do it. Unfortunately, things take a lot longer <laughs> in real life. Like, you'll run a check and you won't get results back for six weeks, depending what it is, yeah. how it is. And like, I mean, <laughs> some of the checks we run up with, like, uh, with non-government organisations, and they're like, you'll get it when you get it, pretty much. I mean, yeah. you can push things through if they're life-threatening, but I mean, yeah. depending what it is. I, I work in narcotics, so most of it isn't life-threatening to a degree. It's important, but not life-threatening. So. Yeah. And and this and, and in this one, I often wonder about like the amount of time, and I suppose it's probably the level of crime that sort of, it never really made me question until you start saying that, but it's like when they say, I want to get surveillance, I want to do this, I want to do that, you're obviously then having to talk to your, you know the police legal representatives and prosecutors to get in front of a judge to get a warrant to like do that. But I would suppose they'd have like standing warrants or something. They must have something for the armed robbers who, you know, if you've got any suspects in the armed robbery, it must be easy to push things there, through. There, there are urgent urgent ways they can do things. Yeah. And it's sort of retrospective. Like, they can be done over the phone or whatever yeah. it might be. And then yeah. you can pick up the paperwork 24 hours yeah. later or yeah. when, as soon as you get a chance. So yeah. There are options to do things quite urgently, but yeah. the circumstances have to dictate yeah, they have why to you be do them urgently. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, no, I need it urgently. I want to g- get the bad guy. Uh, no. No. No, I'm no. sorry. What, you can wait in line. What with, do they do? The, hundred other passionate detectives that think their jobs are most important <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Well, what did they do? 12 parking tickets. Nope. You're out next. He's a recidivist. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, do you know how much taxpayer money? Um, no. But yeah, so we've got, we've got this minute and I really like, you know, he's a non-actor. He's a cop, but there's a, I like the nervousness. And it's so crazy, you know, it seems so crazy now actually looking at it and it's not, it, the movie doesn't suffer for it because it sort of works in a time and a place, but it's so, this is I think what works about cop films and about gangster films, anything that's kind of pre the era of the cell phone, it's just that it seems that it's so much more insanely difficult to, do, to be a crook when everyone is interconnected, your video, ta- video surveillance, like all this sort of stuff. 
it, it feels like it would be just madness that these guys could exist and not be caught on like 25 surveillance cameras elsewhere, you know, tracked digitally, all that sort of stuff. And even what's crazy is that the fact that the guy who's up on the roof is not radioing Vincent directly is just madness. Like, why would he be talking to this guy? It just seems like it's crazy because Vincent's in charge. You would be going to the guys in charge, not some guy in the van. Uh, to a degree, it's sort of true, but also not. Like, you have your sort of communication channels and who speaks to who, so one bloke's not getting 12 people talking to him at once. Ah, uh, okay, I understand. So yeah, it makes sense. Be because when things are happening, then everyone wants to jump <laughs> on and say something, and it's like, well, no one's hearing anything because 12 people are speaking <laughs> at once, so it's important to sort of, like, balance it out, Make, I suppose. Makes sense. In terms of technology and where we're at and how everyone's essentially monitoring or monitoring themselves for other people to take part in, such <laughs> yes. as law enforcement or whoever it might be, or yeah. the jealous girlfriend who's put a bug <laughs> on your phone or whatever it might be. Um, I suppose it, it, it can also make investigations difficult because now you have such a plethora of information. Yes. It's like information overload and where do you look? Yeah. You've suddenly got 100,000 pages of data to look at instead of 5,000 pages. So... Yeah, it works and it doesn't work. It takes it definitely takes a lot more resources to sort of approach or attack an investigation. But at the same time, um, law enforcement sort of um, adapts and, and manipulates the situation. Like back in the day of, of when this was shot, it, it's much more um, human based. You know what I mean? You cultivate your witnesses. You have your inside sources. You, you find your snitches. You, yeah, and and you take a real sort of human approach to gaining information it's sort of um how resource intensive the action is to how much result you might get from it so yeah. approaching someone directly is a low resource activity and you may gain really good results or you get an inside man and then whoa yeah you're on you know what's better than having a man on the inside everyone loves that it's quite risky yes but it's it's, it's a good result um <clears throat> i think law enforcement started to turn back to um sort of working with people a little bit more because of because of that factor yeah because it's there's just a mess a massive so back in you know in this film they talk about let's tap the house phone how many house phone calls do you remember getting in a day like when you're a oh, kid oh. like how many do you reckon you got it's, it's hard to remember because i was a little kid but i think it would have been maybe if, 10 if less if, if three <clears throat> i mean from the times i was home so there were no phone calls in the morning before i went to school and so after school, you go play with your friends or you play in the park or whatever, or you go to the beach or something, and you come home, and there's maybe two phone calls a night, and one of them is usually special. It's like a relative. So if you have to monitor only three phone calls that go for 15, 20 minutes because you're calling in a state and it's costing a million dollars back in old day money, um, there's, no, there's no problem. But I reckon I get, I don't know about you as well, like how many phone calls, texts, I mean, and certain of our friends, I'm going to mention WhatsApp notifications. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean. It takes like, it takes teams of people to monitor these things. If, if we do even decide to monitor. Yeah. If, if, it, if it's worth the, if it's worth the pain of monitoring it instead of something more human as you're talking about. That's what I mean. I mean, uh, these days police do have a lot of bells and whistles, like more than we had back in the day. But at the same time, it, it also has its drawbacks, definite yeah. drawbacks and different, uh, Difficulties that you can encounter. But yeah, you. you know what I mean, you, you manipulate the situation. Yeah, you, you guys. Make it, you make it work. You um. And it's constantly evolving based on whatever the new technology is, staying a step ahead, and you guys doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. He does have. 
poor Charlie Adamson, 25 seconds into this minute, does have some creepy old man glasses, um, which I've, I've, I'm trying to bring them back because they're usually associated with creepy people. But we're moving along this minute. Um, I think... I just, I just really like, I really like the focus and I really like in this minute, just there's from like a technical perspective, we're just sort of at 37 seconds into the minute. Man does really good stuff where he just, cl- where he, um, no one's talking. Like this minute and probably I think there's about two to three minutes around it. There's maybe three or four lines of dialogue in three or four minutes of the movie and there's a lot happening. People are doing stuff, you know, people are in the middle of things. But I, I really like how Man shoots a lot of these sequences with all the main characters in frame. So they're like, he's showing their togetherness, he's showing their focus, he's showing that they're working. You don't have to say anything. You're just conveying that these guys are together, they're in on it together. And especially when you're comparing, you know, nervousness in, you know, this officer, this uniform cop who's there, um, the nervousness in him and, and their cool calm. You then get to about the 42nd second of this minute a van pulls into frame and all these guys sit up straight at exactly the same time. I love that. They're just like, oh, okay, here we go. This is where we're actually on. This is, you know, action's happening. This is what we've got to do. And even in this frame as well, like you see, you see Tom Sizemore's character, Michael, he runs out of the van. He's shot in there with Val. Val's running out. And, and, and in a lot of these little sequences, um, even though they're separate, they're, and especially there's a, just a second that comes up here in a moment, they're trying to show that activity of them working together in the way that it's cut. The pacing is like Michael is climbing, Val is moving, there's lots of things happening. So I really like how there's a lot of synergy there in the frame. I love LA at night. I love how quiet this is. It's so like a non-New York thing or a non-Chicago thing because originally this was maybe going to be a Chicago story. Um, but like in New York movies, and maybe it's not even real life, but in New York movies the sound of ambulances and things constantly happening and sirens and that is all you can hear. And what I love about this is that it's just deathly silent factory district. No one's around, nothing's happening. And so you really get the tension building up for you as an audience member. You're sitting here and you're just like, oh my God, this is super tense. (laughs) I suppose it's across a background of everyone else sleeping and that's when the crooks and the cops come out to play. That's (laughs) it, mate. That's exactly, well, I mean, that's, that's totally true. But like, you know, in New York, if it's midnight, it seems like there's an ambulance going. I don't know about you. Have you been to? You've been to the Not sta- to New York. Not to New York. I can de- I can definitely associate <laughs> with that. just how small the area is and how busy it is. It's twenty four seven traffic. No, no, and and like Sydney's a little bit more like LA. It's a bit more of a sprawl. So LA is not LA is a big sprawling space. Even though there's eighteen million people, it's huge. <laughs> it's massive. It's massive. Um, so going back to heat. You hadn't seen it in ages. Like, yeah, like probably 10 years. Or 10 like years. Seven years. How, how, how different is it from seven years ago, you? Because well, you and I are around the same age, so we're looking at it like early 20s to now when you're looking at it in your 30s. Is it like light years different or does it get... Because I, I... One super interesting thing that I found about this project, the first time I watched Heat, I just thought it was cool when I was a kid. You know, I think I watched it on VHS in 1997. Um... And I thought it was cool. And then it hung around because it just didn't ever stop being cool. I was super excited about action. And then I stumbled on it a little bit later and I just started watching it with a completely different lens. Like I was into the psychology. And one of the things I keep watching about it and I keep getting more and more fascinated and more and more into it is 
guys who are so obsessed that they start to lose touch of like what is life, what is a job, and what is that professional thing. So now when I watch it, I feel like it gets better with age. Like if I had have watched it for the first time at 30, it would have had a profound impact on me or a more profound impact on me. But I've grown this over hundreds of viewings. I've grown, <laughs> I've gro- I've grown this thing. So I'm interested from a person who only remembers watching it ten, you know, seven years ago, ten years ago, and now watching it again now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was really cool when I first saw it, but I suppose at this age, with sort of, you bring a lot of your life experience into it, and watching it again, you look deeper into it, and you, you don't exactly pick it apart, but you see more. It's like your eyes are bigger, <laughs> your ears are bigger, <laughs> yeah. your brain sort of digests it differently, and you you really, yeah, you really enjoy the movie and sort of, yeah, you take it deeper. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you like what do you lean into? Do you like the action or do you like the people? The people. Yeah, definitely the people. The actors are amazing. They just Yeah. They just work so well together or against each other, but the they energy com- is just they complement each other nicely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um so we we recently had a, a get together and what made me think about it was you coming onto the podcast because there's a, a, a fun cop get together where they're all letting the, the cops are letting their hair down. They're out with their oh, wives yeah. <laughs> and they're all, they're all boogieing, boogieing and dancing around. And I thought every one of those has got a babysitter. Surely, surely they can't have just left all their kids at home. They can't have just, because, because now there's kids in the picture, you know, like it, I mean, Val Kilmer is obviously a, a terrible deadbeat dad who doesn't care. He leaves his <laughs> wife and his small child at home. Michael's got a good, you know, Michael appears to have a good wife. Um, Treo's just got, you know, this hot young lady who doesn't appear like she's been in the group for very long. And these guys are all out partying. Does that, uh, that one, um, I had, a, had another friend of mine say, that looks like those cops, they do that like once every three months. They get one chance to go let their hair down and they go mental. <laughs> Is that, does that ring true as well? Absolutely, I think. Got to. Yeah, it does, but it's, I'd say it's a, Odd circumstance that the ladies would be invited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like uh, I would be honest. Like the two of the boys go out, and obviously the ladies are at home minding the kids or whatever it might be, or yeah. uninvited. <laughs> I suppose. You know what I mean? Like it's what are they going to do? Sit by while you talk police? Yeah. Like you, you go, you go out, and and you can have a good time, and no one talks shop. But instantly you're talking about what job you're working on, or what's going on, or how you got this guy, or how you did this, or. You know what I mean? The war the, stories come yeah, out, and yeah. I suppose it's the same with any profession, whether oh. it be you're in the army or anything. Even if you're, Mate, you're a teacher, you talk about teacher <laughs> war stories. I mean, they're not exactly probably amazing for the rest of us <laughs> to listen to, but teachers would be like, "Yeah," and then I told this kid, "You're on detention." I didn't even care; just dropped it. Probably I, shouldn't have. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm a maverick, you know. I'm a maverick, and other teachers are like, "Whoa, you are a maverick," and we'd be like, "You know what I did to that oh syllabus? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ripped it up. <laughs> no. Whoa, I'm going off book." Yeah. No. No, you're 100% right. I, um, I, I remember it happens even in crazy, like even any profession, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, I remember one of, our, one of our friend's girlfriends sort of walked over to me and uh, we're at a barbecue and I go, hey, you know, how's things, what's happening? And she's like, oh yeah, good, good, good. And I go, what's up? And she's like, oh, they're just fucking talking about work again. <laughs> she just had enough. And I go, yeah, okay, cool. Well, you can hang out over here. We don't have to talk about that. Talk about anything else that you like. Um, yeah, like I think, I think that's really interesting. But that's why I think it's more like a once in a, a blue moon we're going to go down and let our hair out because it's like these guys don't 
well, Vincent doesn't look like the guy who's terribly good at organizing social events. <laughs> no, he's more interested in what he does. <laughs> more interested in what he does. So, like, the fact that they're all together seems like, oh, the whole team's together. Maybe this is something I should do every now and then when we're, you know, we've got a break or we've got a big chunk of work that's going to happen. Maybe I should try and do the, the right thing by the guys. Yeah, that's right. I suppose maybe once a year the partners will come in. Ah, there we go. Nice, like, this isn't my work friend. This is, you know, the guy <laughs> I always talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that guy that always, you know, I try and avoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here, talk to him, honey, for a little while. <laughs> then you leave. Do the smoke bomb. Get out of there. I, um, I, can I bring up new subject material? It's of course. Kind you. of after this. Go, minute, go, no, no. You, you can talk about it. Just in the context of sort of my work and my thoughts. Yeah. One thing that did scratch at me a little bit in this movie that I find a little bit unrealistic and it would destroy the movie if they were to play it in a sort of realistic perspective is this was their chance to pinch them all and they pretty much had it yeah um vincent says that oh oh, some shitty misdemeanor and they're off lickety split six months they're back at it yeah it's probably not quite how it would be do you know what i mean they're attempted to break an enter of a diamond storage place or whatever it might be they've got this giant drill that would still be in there they've got the van they've got you know what i mean like I, i i think these guys pose a massive threat to the public. They've already knocked off yeah. three innocent people, whether it was them directly or one of their crew that they hired who was a bit of a bit of a wild card. Yeah. I, I think, think that would take the opportunity to get them off the street, regardless yeah. of if they, even if they only go Cause, away cause, two or three cause, years. Because at this stage, they're assuming that that whole crew was directly responsible. So they're not... It, it could The one person they know who was definitely there in this crew is Michael because of the slick... Right, so yeah, let's play it out logically. So right then and there, you know, at least if you pinch him, and you get him off the street for six months, if you can't get him for murder one of those cops, you can, or, or of the um, uh, armed car drivers and and security detail, then yeah, six months. That's that's a really good point. But it kills the movie. The movie's over yeah. in an hour. <laughs> I mean, they're professionals. Whatever yeah. evidence they got on that that heist that went wrong is probably the limit of what they're going to get. These guys aren't going to talk about it ever again. It's like it never happened. Yeah. And like. Just because they pinch them for something else doesn't mean the job can't still progress and they might get some leads or someone might turn or someone might go crown witness or whatever. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? At that point in time, it's like, we get these guys off the streets. There's no more giant jobs going down. Hang on a second. I think we've got the right guys in the public safe. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a, it's, a risk, it's a risk scenario. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, drug jobs and some other jobs, you sort of let run a bit longer because... No, no one's really getting hurt directly anyway. Like yes. obviously we care, but yeah. So, so had they had they not? That's really great. So had they not in the uh, been associating them with death, and it was just a, and it, they were just robbing something. If they were just robbing like a Datsun 180B with a smash window, they might go, uh, yeah, whatever. We're gonna let them go. But right now they're actually suspects in a murder. So it doesn't matter. Even though we're associating them with a heist here, and they're gonna get pinched for a small heist. It's the public safety thing. Well, that's why Vincent's a wild card, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a wild card. Crazy, <laughs> He's crazy. He's crazy. No, but no, that's a really great point. And I'm supposed now. Now we know at one one hour and ten minutes, seventy minutes into heat, where it's the movie short movie <laughs> <laughs> seventy three minutes could have been, you know, get McCauley off the streets and he's back out in six months. It's not as fun though. Is no, the no, no, not at all. Like, you're pretty glad he lets it run. Then you're like, oh, good. 
So the cop, the cop inside you, the investigator inside you is like, oh man, I would have totally pinched him six months off the streets. Who's running this show? <laughs> <laughs> starts writing a strongly worded email. It's, it's, it's not sexy. Dear- oh, we got him for a B and E. Man, you going for a B and E? Get him for the murder. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Oh well, look, it, it's not as sexy a prosecution. So they just, you know, they were going for the big ones. But to be fair, they then basically. Yeah, they obliterate a yeah, whole number of exactly cops. Didn't end up with a nice prosecution, did it? <laughs> no, it didn't. They actually, Val Kilmer gets away. Yep. Kilmer yeah, gets away. Chirito gets killed. Treo's dead, not at their hand. Treo's murdered by like the Van Sant's dirty people and Hugh Benny, and uh, De Niro's shot. And so, right now, they could have got them all. Look, this is why you have to get an investigator <laughs> onto one heat minute because this is where we could have taken the entire crew down. They could have locked them all up. It could have been done. It would have been a very lame story though. It was super lame. I mean, it was good, but then it'd be like, oh, I feel kind of oh like let down. There's no, there's no climax anymore. <laughs> We're like, it's so, like a little bump and that's all over. This is a super authentic, a super authentic movie and super authenticity sometimes leads to super boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's that great phrase, um, you know, uh, you know, drama is life with the boring bits taken out. And so this is this is a scenario where they could have got them on a highly tight procedural moment, but no, yeah. they're going to flip them. It's suspended disbelief or reality. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't... See, this is what, you, as an external... Um, I think some Australians like to think that we're like the 51st or 52nd state of the United States or whatever it is, because I'm not American. I don't know how many states you guys have. Um, tell me how many states and territories in Australia and I'll tell you how many states you guys have got. Um, but I, I think that sort of cultural imperialism that happens with you know TV and movies, we always think that... Um, and, and when I watch this, I'm never... Maybe it's because there's a thousand law shows, but I'm never confident that they're going to get the they're going to be able to bust them. It's always like the suspended sentence or something like that. You hear in all these TV shows and movies, the suspended sentence and two of them are back on the street and like one day they post bail, it's done. One of them goes down for six months in prison. So maybe that is like part of that motivating factor. And look, right now, it's so funny that we actually said it, but like in 1995, when this movie was shot, is right in the thick of an LA that is wrestling with the OJ Simpson trial where a man knifed two people to death and put blood evidence in his car and gloves and a murder weapon, and he got off. Um, and look, the the amazing you know um, uh, the amazing Made in America OJ docu series that won Best Picture, which is you know seven hours long or whatever it is, um, you know can tell the story of all of the other external factors that were influencing that. And we saw the actually very very good TV show, the you know OJ Simpson American Crime Story and things like that that sort of riff on it. Um, but I just, yeah, I wonder, I don't know if that's a little bit of the, what was in the air at that time. Like people could get off for stuff. It rings true to like any detective work. It's like, it's like your biggest fear. It's like you do everything you can and prepare this amazing brief, brief of evidence. You've got classic, like solid evidence in multi, multifaceted parts. Like, you know, like strands of a muscle make up this big story and you're like, if one gets knocked out, it's all good. It's only a couple more get knocked out and then things aren't looking so great <laughs> and, and you lose it at court which you're not in control of anymore do you know yeah. I mean? once it goes to court prosecutors look after it it's a, it's a different world in the courtroom and it's yeah. all in the, in the, on the basis of procedural fairness and and 
making sure that one in a hundred man doesn't serve the sentence because for a crime you didn't commit. But yeah. at the same time, there, there is this risk that we don't get the guy that's hurting people out there. Yeah. He's got off because we're looking after that other poor bloke that, that shouldn't have copped the sentence or, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. Do we call it now? Do we push it, push it a bit harder? Yeah. I, look, I think, I think if from a, and I think it's what really makes sense in a, an Australian perspective is that if there was ever anyone who was suspected of gun violence and they were getting, and we could ping them for robbing a Macca's, you know, they would get, they'd get done because you would rather, because of how rare gun violence is in this country, it would be so like, it's so innate. You'd be like, oh no, that person's going to get arrested. I don't care if we catch them robbing. And I don't care if we catch them catching a train and not tapping on or off with their Opal card. Like these guys are going down, you know what I mean? You just like, you want to arrest them for anything possible if you think that they're the lead suspects in a crime like that. Ma- Sorry, was it a famous mafia gangster or someone in America that got done on tax evasion? Yeah, ta- Al Capone. Get- Al yeah, Capone. Right. T- done right. for tax evasion. There's, there's a number of ways you can approach an investigation. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really matter how you get them, but you get them off the streets, you stop the damage they're causing to society. Yes. So you've got to sometimes step back and like broaden your, broaden your spectrum on how you approach something, and there's always an answer. And, you know, right now, um, as we're recording this, it is uh, the middle of May, you know, they're talking, there's a whole bunch of investigations that are going on in the United States about campaign financing. So, um, you know, uh, uh, campaign financing and, and, and influencing elections because you're paying off former porn stars who you've uh, shagging. So, you know, there's uh, investigations where they'll lean on anything <laughs> where they can um, to make up a case. Um, wow. Mate, you've done, you've done extremely well. Your first podcast... And you've, we've been going for 40-odd minutes. Oh, it's gone very quickly. Yeah, it's gone quick. Look, um, <laughs> folks, um, I want to thank Steve. Thank you so much, mate, for coming on. Um, it's awesome to actually get some real insights to investigations <laughs> um, instead of me just being sort of a, a, an, ex- an expert of how to investigate a crime according to Vincent Hanna from this movie because, like, now I feel like an expert. I've watched this movie so many times. But it's actually good to speak to a professional because you're, you're a professional and I'm just a chum. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. Folks, thank you so much for listening to One Heat Minute. Um, if you love the show, um, please let us know in uh, comments and you can subscribe via iTunes or let us know on the site. Mail at oneheatminute.com is our email address. But one heatminute.com is the place to um, find anything you need to know about the show um, uh, if you want to find me you can catch me um, on the Twitters at Blake is Batman um, but I'm not going to give you Steve's Twitter handle he doesn't have Twitter he doesn't have Twitter so you don't need to find you're not going to find him on Twitter um, and you can't be part of our WhatsApp group um, even though one of our friends in the WhatsApp group you don't want to listen to anyway he's, he's one of the he's one of the guys that will keep you out of there but guys thank you so much for listening mate thank you so much for being a part of the show really appreciate it and uh, we'll catch you next time thanks Blake it's been swell <laughs>